Assholes! Assholes! You're all assholes, every one of you. Your lives don't work. And you're assholes because you sit here and pretend they do. Well, this weekend, we're going to show you how that shit has gotten you exactly nowhere. For the next 48 hours, you're going to come face to face with the only problem you got. Yourself. If you think that problem's going to disappear, well, then you are bigger assholes than I think you are. What will disappear is your belief in yourself as a problem. Because believing, and get this, people, get this. Believing is shit. Being is where it's at. It's what this weekend is all about. Finding out that you're where it's at. You. Nobody else. Finding out that what you are, all you assholes, is perfect. All right, guys, that was an excerpt from the movie Semi Tough. Welcome to episode 149 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. I was recently on my friend Pete Quinone's show, Free Man Beyond the Wall. And let's just say we lend a critical eye to the self-help industry. As most of you know, I'm a therapist. I'm adjacent to the industry. But I think it would be reasonable to say I have my fair share of criticisms of it. The problem I have with almost all self-help stuff is it's very much orientated around conceptually defining reality and see things through this prism and that prism and and if you just look at it this way and they build frameworks to look at things through and people go, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. But then they go home and their emotions bounce up and down as the day goes by. Their sense of effectiveness wavers up and down and with that, their commitment to whatever they committed to, the memories of those powerful aha moments lose their shine and everything defaults back to more or less the same. Find out what else I hate about it right now. Hello everyone, I want to welcome you to the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. This is your host Pete Quinones. I invited Anthony Samaroff to return to the show. Anthony is a therapist by trade, and he has a lot of problems with those books that you see in airport bookstores and the seminars that go on. And he's going to try to expose exactly what's wrong with it. And then he's going to offer his own solutions. And I may offer a couple of my own ways that I've worked through things or helped other people work through things. And um, I jumped at the opportunity to do this because I've never done an episode like this before. There's going to be enough humor and enough sarcasm. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. But I think there's going to be a little bit of information in here for everyone. So without any further delay, here is Anthony Samaroff. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to crush it. I'm ready to take massive action. Are you? Are you ready to be the best version of yourself? This is like deja vu all over again. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I must have heard those vacuous feel-good catchphrases uh, somewhere before. See, so, somehow seems uh, familiar. Well, we do want to talk about the self-help industry, and I know that you you want to address some things about it. But um, I, you're, I hung out with you in New York. I think you're one of the most interesting persons I've ever met. Oh. So why don't you talk? I mean, do you, do you feel comfortable talking no, about what you do for a living? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because because I am actually a therapist, so I'm like deeply interested. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with people wanting to help themselves. I think that people wanting to help themselves is great. And if you can help other people help themselves, even so much the better. It's not help that I have a problem with, least of all self-help. I mean – I, I, now that you've got me talking, I can probably talk forever. I, I think, if anything, to some degree, when it comes to personal development, libertarian audience should be an audience that's interested in this kind of stuff because libertarianism is, to a degree, about personal autonomy, personal freedom, freedom in our own lives. Of course, most of the stuff that affects our freedom, to a large degree, at least in a free country, um, is our internal stuff. So when I when I'm coming on here to discuss with you the self-help industry and maybe throw some stones at it. Uh, I just want to be clear. I'm not against people trying to improve their lives. I'll just give you like a quick anecdote from something that happened to me 20 years ago. The company I was working for and everything, they had one of, um, they wanted to get everybody motivated. So um, everyone knows who Tony Robbins is. He didn't, they didn't bring him in, but they brought brought one of his, you know, he has all these, these underlings, these mini Tony Robbins that he, uh, Mm -hmm. that he's trained and sends out and everything. And basically what I got from this guy is in order to be a success in life, you have to be completely positive and energetic all the time. And immediately the first question I wanted to ask is, I know a bunch of successful people. I mean, I'm talking about wealth, mm-hmm. power, and they're not like this. So right. what, what, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is one of the things that I'm really – I really despise about the industry. It builds up this larger than life image, this like, woo, grab life by the balls, so positive. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of these people are secretly depressed or have gone through incredible amounts of depression or anxiety, or at least the people who try to emulate it are. And it's giving really unrealistic expectations to a lot of people who are in a bad place. What if they don't feel woo all the time? What if they wake up in the morning feeling like crap and it's pretty hard just to get a couple of hours work done or tidy their room or they're so racked with anxiety that they've never, I don't know, in their 30s and they've never had sex and they would find it difficult to even talk to a girl. Like, are they meant to feel woo positive? I mean, surely feeling positive is the is a result. It's not necessarily an originating factor. Although, you know, uh, it's it's so complicated because you can't talk about these things without maybe generalizing in a way that will sound like that you're opposed to something that's actually quite good because obviously with everything, you know, there may actually be a, a, a good place for positive thinking as well uh, in, in a wider toolbox. But you've touched on so many of things that are in the center of the bullseye for me. This cloning of coaches 
it's really interesting with the Tony Robbins thing because people are paying like thousands of dollars to go to stadiums to see Tony Robbins speak. I mean, when he was in London uh, last year, he was at a huge venue and people were paying hundreds to go and see them. Now, what happens is he's going to come up and he's going to like pump their state. He's going to get them in this like really, really fucking excited. And they're all like really excited excited together and they might have a really cool experience but they're going to go home and most of the time their life's just going to go back to roughly the way it was except for maybe they had a memorable experience at a Tony Robbins event they're if all they want is a memorable experience then I'm certain that he's going to deliver and they're going to get it however if what they're looking for is permanent and during change, they would get more out of investing the same money and some serious work. So I don't like this um, inauthenticity and I don't think the constant need to be positive matches up with real life for most people. And trying to feel like that, even though you don't, is going to make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Like, why can't I just be like all these positive people? Um, and my favorite counterexample that I can think of at the moment, I remember uh, I was once, maybe a couple of years ago, watching a Q&A on YouTube from Jordan Peterson, and someone wrote him in and said something like, I can't even, I'm, I'm so lacking in conscientiousness that I can't even fill out the self-authoring program that you made uh, what the hell is wrong with me and Jordan Peterson's response was well a lot of things probably because there's a lot of things wrong with most people and I loved that because it was so unexpected and so human and so down to earth rather than going oh there's nothing wrong with you you know you've just got a challenge it's not a problem it's a challenge it's like he went well you know you probably are pretty messed up everyone is to some degree and I found that much more relatable. Well, the problem with the Tony, whole Tony Robbins thing is that it's one size fits all. I mean, that's the way it's right. delivered. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have the, I'm of the opinion that companies who bring him in or bring in, you know, his lower tier people, they're looking to not excite everyone. Maybe they're, you know, adopting the Pareto principle where, well, if I can just get 20% of my people excited by this and, um, you know, that can exhibit some change. That, that's really the only thing that I can think because, I mean, bringing someone in, you know, on a Friday or a, a Monday or a Tuesday or something like that to, you know, rally the troops. I mean, I, I would assume that probably 80% of the people just don't even want to be there. Right. Yes. What you're looking at is a sales funnel, okay? Certain people who actually have the conscientiousness and intelligence to put the information into practice will do well with this kind of thing. And they are looking for those people. People, But the thing is, those people are pretty much going to find a way somewhere or another by hook or by crook to find the help and the mentorship they need right so for ages i mean i came in uh to the world as we all did quite naive some of us got over our naivety faster than others uh but i really believed that if i just put enough knowledge into my head or something like that that was going to heal me of my woes and i must have read 
like I don't know a hundred self help books or more. I mean, it, it, it was a full, it was a bloody full time job trying to sort myself out. That's why I went into my profession. And out of the books that I've read, I would probably only recommend ten. Um, a hundred out of. Uh, and that's a hundred actual self-help books. Uh, add to that tons of new age uh, spirituality, all sorts of stuff that promised to change my life, right? But here's what I didn't realize. A lot of those books are actually business cards. They're not books, right? People are not writing these books to everyone that reads them because most people don't want a really useful self-help book. They just want something to read on the plane. So if you're out there looking for a really great self-help book, one that's changed, one that is going to change your life, I want you to know that the whole industry doesn't exist for you. It doesn't exist for you. The whole industry exists to get a book that's easy to read into as many hands as possible. So out of the thousands or tens of thousands of people who read them, a few people will be willing to pay two, three, four grand or more for a long weekend retreat or $10,000 for a week. Or $50,000 to be coached by the author for the entire year. People don't want to be told if they've got social anxiety, well, you're going to have to go out and speak to 10,000 strangers. That, uh, and, and even if you do that, you're occasionally still going to feel anxious around strangers. In fact, sometimes you'll go out and think, what the fuck, I've been practicing this for years and I'm still completely clueless because that's what real life is like that's what really recovering from a wound like social anxiety is for and you know you can you can apply that to literally anything people don't want to uh, hear that lord knows just apply the example to something else right they don't uh, the, the vast majority of people don't want to know what it really takes to change their life and the books are re not written with people with, with giving people practical applicable. Pr let me try that again. With the idea of giving people practical steps that they can implement in a systematic in a systematic fashion. Fuck's sake, Pete! Practical steps that people can implement in a systematic fashion to get better results over time because that is going to scare them. They just want something to read in the plane. They want to hear some cool stories about some interesting stories that the author is including in the book about people who came to his programs and or came to his therapy or her therapy and saw improvements over time and go, oh, wow, yeah, I can do that too. You can do it too but not just by reading the book. So basically, the, the book is a business card. It's there to sell retreats for the main part. Do you honestly believe that somebody who is, someone who's suffering can take one of these books, I mean, the best self-help book in the world that has you know the greatest advice and apply it to themselves? 
I'm not going to say that there's no... Like, the thing is with these books, like, most of it's philosophizing. There's just philosophizing. And they've got some exercises in there. And most people who do... Most people don't do the exercises, the vast majority, because they don't believe that it'll help. They don't believe the exercises will help. And probably in a lot of cases, they might not. Um, If there is... If a book is really well written and really helpful, it may actually have techniques in it that you could try in the real world and get more experience. But they will be saying things, you know, things that people don't want to hear, which is like, you will have to try this technique X amount of times, you know, and then you will start to learn from your own experience new ways of being. But yeah, I think what you're saying is someone who's really suffering, is a book going to help them? Probably not going to be enough. I think the main, another massive problem which I'm coming to is the emphasis on information. We're we're swimming in information, but people buy the false promise that if they put the content of this book into their head, that alone is going to change them. If they and then people get this addiction to reading the next book, watching the U, next YouTube video, there is no information that's going to change you that much. It's going to be practical application. The problem that people have is their state. They don't know how to manage their state. They don't know how to engage appropriately with difficult emotions and steer their ship through those difficult emotions. So if they're not conscientious, for example, they don't know how to deal with the negative feelings that confront them when they try and do the things they want to do in their life. And that's why they can't do it. And books don't deal with your states. Books can answer questions. So they're very limited in their application. I'm sorry, Pete, I'm going to go on a a rant here because you're sparking me off big time. One of the reasons why if you have a good therapist and I... You know, I've had horror stories from people who've come to me with therapists. And so I I do stress a good therapist is there's an idea of co-regulation, which is um, the idea that, you know, when we're small children, when we're babies, when we when we have intense emotions that are unpleasant, we're in an unregulated state, we're upset or we're angry. We learn to regulate our emotional apparatus by the self-regulation of our caregiver. So mum picks up the baby and holds it to her, and hopefully mum isn't too stressed and dis- or de-stressed, and the baby learns from being close to her how to calm itself down. Not everyone received the level of uh, co-regulation they required in the early stages of their life to learn to regulate their own emotional apparatus to the degree they want. Maybe they had a really stressed parent. Maybe a parent died. Um, Maybe uh, their parent was really dysregulated, subject to rages, uh, or or found a baby crying stressful, or didn't know how to comfort them when they were in their, you know, two or three years old. There's all sorts of reasons. One of the benefits of sitting down with someone as opposed to reading a book is if the practitioner is wise, they can regulate themselves And you get that. And you don't even need to go to a therapist to get that. All of us probably have, well, I hope all of us have friends that we can go to in times of distress that we've experienced coming down to earth and being able to make 
wiser decisions after speaking to them because they've helped us regulate ourselves just talking. But I think most people have at least had an experience of that so they know that it exists. Um, and the the emphasis of like, yeah, you need to shovel your head. Information is useful. Don't get me wrong. Information could be very useful. But the idea that you're just going to shovel um, all the information, you're going to assimilate the information from the self-help book or the YouTube videos or the podcast, and that alone is going to change you, I think, is very misleading. And the reason why I feel so incensed about it is they're, they're giving people – unrealistic expectations and leading them in the wrong way and and I was one of those people who was led in the wrong way and lost years of my life to this shit you called those self-help books a business card yes I'm talking about the industry broadly speaking there will be exceptions right now you work one-on-one -on -one with people I mean is that the way to go is I mean I just don't see any other way for me if I'm struggling with something, reading usually isn't going to solve it. It's going to be talking to somebody who right. you know, can get me through it. So is that book a bad thing? I mean, you know, caveat emptor, all that. Um, but if it does drive someone who is really honestly seeking help and it causes them to you know reach out to that person and they do get the help, then, you know, that's good, right? Sure. So this is why I need to be careful what I what I say. A book can be good, and and but the thing is, my problem is that you cannot see the sun for the clouds. The industry is so full of these flipped off, high profile, in the certain circles books that are of limited value. Um, that people can't actually find resources that they need, and they're and and if if they they may be in many cases giving people, as I said, sorry to repeat myself, unrealistic expectations of what it takes and what's possible. Um, you also asked me as seeing people one to one the way to go. Well, it certainly helped me, and I certainly see it helping the people that I'm help uh, that I help. I did at one point have a business coach when I thought I was going into the self-help industry and doing this like larger than life. Yeah, let's grab life by the balls thing. And again, I, I found a similar problem, which is I really value what he taught me, the coach, but it didn't actually end. He didn't help me with my state in terms of implementing the stuff that I, that I learned, and I know that's not his job, that's not his expertise. Some people might find that. Some person who is primed to take action would respond well to them. So yeah, you need to work with someone that has got the skills that are suitable to your particular situation, um, your uh, intellectual and emotional needs. Intelligent people find it difficult sometimes to find a suitable therapist i've had so many people come to me and say yeah like i went to this woman or i went to this guy and they were lovely but man i felt like i knew more than the, than the therapist did that's certainly an option in terms of the problems that most people face uh, depression anxiety we know a lot about how to reduce these things the difficulty is actually wanting to do this stuff right it's not so much that um exercise 
is an antidepressant. It's that not taking exercise is will depress your system, right? This 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 body's designed by nature to move, um, and so if you were born a few hundred years ago, you'd be doing ten or twenty times as much physical activity as most people do today. And um, so there, you know, we know that diet, um, social uh, social interaction, and all these things. But what I work with. What I work with is people's wounds, people's demons, things that happened in people's past that left a mark in their psyche. That's what, you know, uh, thing we through our life we are all exposed to disappointments, losses, all sorts of things that happen that seem to affect the way that we process information, the way that we process the world, and you know, part of a large part of what I'm doing is guiding people into those blocks and working with them through them so that they get some sense of freedom and liberation from the past. And I watch them become more available to life, like more alive, like they can do more of the things they want to do. They've got more optimism. They're more confident in their decision making and um, they're more excited about their life. And, you know, I started with myself. I am not lazy when it comes to this stuff. Well, to be honest, I don't know if I would, like, not not be lazy uh, if if I didn't have to. I suffer, you know, I was suffering a lot um, in my teens and 20s. But, you know, I've, and I, I've, I've, I talk about moving the physical body because I'm the kind of person who didn't take any exercise, didn't take much or any exercise until I hit 30. And I have actually spent months on yoga retreats and things like that, trying to reverse the the damage of a, like a sensor. Uh, obviously, I, I'm not overweight or anything like that from any, anyone who's seen me. But the thing is, I my body I didn't really actually realize how uncommonly tight my body was. You know, I just people. This is this is a problem brought forth by our education system as well and things like that. You know. I've gone to the kind of little dance classes and exercises classes that old age people go to, you know, that get run in the community centre and things like that. Um, because my body was like uncommonly tight and um, n- uh, not functional. Although I, n- I didn't know because, you know, I'm not, there's no outward signs of it. I wish stuff like that had existed when I was in school. Because uh, if someone had been able to assess you and go, oh yeah, you've got these kind of, you've got this kind of body and these kinds of problems, like uh, so here's a exercise class that will help you uh, get a little bit more confident using your body and you won't feel like so dyspraxic or something like that. Like now I'll go to like Lindy Hop uh, dance lessons or a salsa class or something like that to try and get more into my body. This is exactly the opposite from what most people do. If they're not comfortable with their body, they don't use their body. If they're not comfortable in social situations, they don't go into social situations, etc., 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 all down the line. So I've never really been that practical a person, very thinky person. So now I've been going to learn some woodwork and things like that. I'm doing the opposite. So when I say that I'm against the... Uh, against the self-help industry you know kind of like more evidence that i'm not against helping self i'm very for helping self it's just the way that this these things are run at the moment that is a great concern to me 
you mentioned you know, the physical body. You also mentioned diet. What about just keeping yourself mentally fit? It seems to me that when I'm when I don't have a chance to read or listen to listen to books at least or you know work on the podcast or write or doing something, I fall into malaise. And right. and most of the people that I know who you know at least are constantly reading, constantly creating uh things like that, they seem to be now they may deep down have have a lot of problems but they at least outwardly i mean i, I think if if pressed they would you, you probably find out that you know it's like the people who drive an hour and a half every day one way you know so they're in their car three hours a day and you know i used to be one of these people who i just listen to music constantly listen to music always music playing and those were mm. some those were some of the days that i was you know that time period of time i wasn't happy you know i mean i just right. yeah, i didn't find myself to be happy but now that i'm constantly reading constantly listening to something even if it's just podcasts or something i it's like i don't have time to not be happy it's like um right. you know everything seems to be fine so yeah i mean physical yes diet yes but you know, keeping yourself mentally sharp too i think that's as much of it as anything i think there's another thing that you touched upon there which is you've got a sense of purpose in your life you know you've got a sense of purpose in your life you know you've got this podcast you've got fans uh, you're contributing and editing at the libertarian institute you found something to get up for in the morning and it's really important that people have something that they're working for, especially if they don't like their job or whatever it is. You can ha you can always have something that you're moving towards because there's um, there's a fulfillment in pursuing. And I, I, I talk about this in my self help book, uh, Procrastination Annihilation. Like. People sometimes choose goals that are too big and too out of their comfort zone, and I used to do that, and it really, really got me down. But when I realized that by making the goals smaller and more realistic, I could gain competence. And, you know, as I wrote more essays, say, as I uh, wrote more blogs and got articles published on Mises.org and things like that, oh, that's good. Instead of just trying to write a book, like, I can start compiling bits from stuff that I've written and put them into... And, and and improve on what I've written already, and then now I've got a book. Now now I'm writing another book. But I know that the book that I'm writing now was not in my capacity a few years ago. So people also need realistic expectations when it comes to setting goals that are going to help them gain the competence to do what they one day hope to do. So talk a little bit about the a couple of the themes in your book, in your your self help book. Right, okay. Well, procrastination annihilation, I guess, is just tools for talking to yourself. Well, that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is an actual regime or a program that people can implement over three months. To It's been that long. It's only available on Kindle just now. I'm, I'm meaning to bring it on paperback one day, but I, I am going to revise it for that, which is why it hasn't happened yet. I've not been procrastinating it. Uh, I just want to make sure that the re all the revisions that I want are in there, and I've been um, prioritizing other things. I've also learned a lot about procrastination since I wrote it. But quite a lot of people have 
emailed me saying it was genuinely life-changing, at least in one way or another. And I myself um, always taken aback, especially like, you know, to, to uh, is it probably coming up? Yeah, it's over two years since I've written it, uh, since I put it out. Um, when it was a long time after, and it was like, oh, I remember reading that. And it changed me in this way, and I'm still seeing the influence of it now. I myself got surprised because I'm so skeptical about the power of self-help books to change people that people were actually saying that they got effects of it. But it's based on my own first-hand experience of being a chronic procrastinator and not as a person who's um, completely cured either, just... But if you look at the stuff that I've put out over the last couple of years, like I, I'm impressed myself. Given how much time I still waste, I'm impressed I've managed to put out as much stuff as I do put out. So it's not from this like unrealistic place of that I that I associate with the self help industry of like yeah we're going to crush it we're going to take ma- massive action because what if you can't? What people need is experiences that generally like you know no one expects to go to them the gym one day and be arnold schwarzenegger the next day so procrastination annihilation the book is a gem for a person's conscientiousness it would be worth you know continuing to read the book as long as they had the problem every now and then or just like one page every couple of days but but the great thing is when i put it out i did a whole bunch of interviews on it so if people wanted to keep motivated a lot a lot after they read the book they could listen to you know one of those interviews and every week or so or, you know to keep it to keep the same it's exactly the same things said in different ways but we need reminded because we tend to default to our average mood so people really need like reminded if it's if it's a problem that they've decided that they're going to work on which by the way is another benefit of therapy because you know you're going to see your therapist in a week and you've got that kind of you know the road the road laid out for you you you've been defining your problems in therapy you figured out what stuff out of all the shit that you could be working on in your life that you want to work on and you're being reminded to take pick up where you left off but also to to keep on focusing on those those areas because you know there's infinite things we could do i could go and decide to learn mandarin tomorrow do you know what i mean if i so decided there's there's anything so so if if i don't want to talk about about it too much longer because there's there's tons of content on procrastination annihilation but if that is one of the ones uh, you're interested in if you don't have kindle just send me a little message and i'll i'll email you a pdf of it um free of charge uh just uh, but if that's if that's a problem you're working on then you make that problem the center of your life for three months uh well um, I, you know probably not before your kids or anything like that if you have it but you know you make it the problem that you're working on in your life for three months and you'll see amazing changes and they'll be and many of those changes will be lasting after those three months so you can always go back you know, next year and do the same thing again with, that you did with procrastination annihilation. And if you just want to read it on the plane, I've been told it's a very nice, pleasant read. So it can fulfill that function too. 
you just mentioned people can email you. What email would you like them to contact you at? Um, Anthony at beyourselfandloveit.com. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, but I just want to remind everybody, Anthony spells his name without an H, so it's A-N-T- oh, thanks. Yeah, A-N-T-O-N-Y at beyourselfandloveit.com. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And and by the way, I should probably mention, just in case uh, someone resonated with my raging against the uh, the industry, um, I most of my work is online. I work with people in the States, um, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe. So if you like my philosophy or you think that I might, be a good person to help you work through your stuff. You can also email me at Anthony and be your Anthony at be yourself and love it.com. And if you mention that you heard me on Pete's show, I'll do a introductory session with you free of charge, probably somewhere towards the end of the month. Um, so that you can figure out whether we are a match before committing to anything. Um, if that's something interesting to you and you you think you've got something that you can work through, I would like someone that's good at doing that. I think something that would be important to address is the fact that, I mean, most of the libertarians, the anarchists I know, they're just skeptical of things like this and you know, self-help. I would assume most are skeptical of self-help or anything like that. So is there any way you can... I mean, with all you've said and everything, is there any way that you can ease their minds that, you know, may, you know, like, I guess saying, you know, there's no guarantees in life, you know, you can only try. When it comes to what exactly? Well, I mean, if they want to contact, if if they wanted to, oh, if, if they're going through problems right now, yeah. and even if they don't want to talk to you, but they want to talk to somebody else, but you know, they're sure. just completely skeptical about it, you know, help help them, you know, try to understand that there you can get help. You can, and I mean, my best advice is. You have to have an experience of it because you don't know if it's going to be able to help you or not until you've seen it. And if you don't think, say, for example, that I was for you, but you'd like to see someone in person, someone local, and you have those skepticisms about it, just speak to me about that. Like, it doesn't need to be on Skype or anything like that, just Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. And maybe... Uh, I can talk to you and maybe give you some tips and points. Some people just want to see someone that they can sit across from and wouldn't like to do it online. Um, I'd be happy to advise to ease your mind. Well, you know, you never know whose office you're going to work walk into. It's good if someone has testimonials from people that they've helped. Um, even better still, I guess this would probably be more applicable to coaches than therapists because of confidentiality and all that if they've got people who are champions if of them who say their work's good if you know someone who's gone to someone who they got great results from that's a good indication as well it's pretty it's it's not an easy question to answer to be honest in a world with so many false 
roads to go down to. The only thing is, I think if you're sceptical enough to worry about it, you're probably sceptical enough to tell someone who's got a good approach that's suitable for you from someone who's maybe not at your level and maybe is uh, more suited to other people. Yeah, just um, an anecdote from my life is I've read self-help books. I've read tons of books about improving your situation. So I think really the only book that I read that I actually got anything out of was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because it's logic. I mean, it's very logical and it it really – you really get to understand human nature a lot better after you read that book. And that's what I got out of it was it was just an understanding of my own nature and then, and the nature of people, everyone else. But I think one of the things I grew up in and around people who were salesmen and they were very accomplished and I'm just wasn't, you know, I, I tried it a bunch of times and I just wasn't comfortable with it. And I did a two day sales course with this guy who like was like the real estate sales king of Los Angeles and everything. I don't even remember what the hell his name was. I think his first name was Tom. This was a long time ago. And it was like you know 12 hours one day. And then you had to be back. You had to study stuff overnight and then be back early in the morning. I mean, so you basically didn't sleep. And everything and just learning basic sales techniques that probably helped me more than anything because oh no way you no question i mean that that sounds so awesome being able to ask people questions and being able to you know genuinely and this guy was like one of the nicest people i ever met he wasn't like you know hey let's get rich it's like just really get asking questions to get to know what people need and what they want. Right. And then you can, you know, provide it for them. And I love that you had that experience. And I, I have to admit, I'm slightly envious. Like, I would love to go on that program. I would love it. This is the kind of thing that's missing. People need mentorship. And we don't have a culture of mentorship anymore. As many you know, good, wonderful things that we have with technology and things like that. It makes people think that a laptop with a YouTube video or a book alone can replace having someone to walk you through um, the process and respond to your needs and show you how it's done, but then show you how you can do it. And I, I think, and I think you've just given a perfect example of how that's done. Well, yeah, and also, like this was one of those things where there was like two, three hundred people there. So, but I was right from the start going up to the guy when we were taking breaks and just talking to him and everything. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get some personal interaction here because um, I really think that's the way I'm going to learn. And you know, I, it, I wasn't alone in that, but most of the people didn't want any kind of personal interaction. Maybe some of the people who were there were there because they had to be there. You know, their company wanted them there and everything. I was actually there because I wanted to be there. And it was, um, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, it sounded like I was going to hate it when I did it, but just knowing that this person wasn't, you know, getting to know that he wasn't a total scumbag. It was like, you know, mm. Hey, I'm going to teach you how to make more money than you can make in your whole life. No, he was like, eh, I'm just going to teach you, teach you ways to build relationships with people. 
you know, and, um, you know, that's a big part. Anybody who knows anything about real estate sales is that's, that's a huge part of real estate sales. And, um, yeah, I think that's why I picked it too, pick that one too, because, um, yeah, he just seemed like the nicest guy when I was looking for, um, something like that. Uh, yeah. And I guess that's an advert for first hand experience. I mean, I went to all sorts of self-help retreats and things like that in my 20s. Some of them were just like weekend things and seminars. And I had good experiences and I met lovely people at them. But none of them really changed me because they were just a little bit um, abstract, I suppose. And what I found, you know, in my 30s is just doing so much stuff that I wish I'd just done in my 20s you know just practical things to make you feel like you're a competent person in the world um what whatever that is the great thing about learning a skill is that when you learn a skill especially one that you didn't think you could and you don't have to be great at it i always say to my friends i'm doing that friend that's teaching me woodwork and people like one thing i do here the reason why social anxieties come up is i do a weekly workshop um, called how to make small talk for people some people with social anxiety but so other people who just like oh I, i've always hated small, small talk it's, they just don't know what to say in social situations and we have games we play games together that help people com- learn new ways to communicate but one of the things is just loosening up and um, loosening up their mind and um, finding ways to talk about little things in interesting ways, right? These are all sk- skills that I struggled with um, earlier on in life, which is why why I'm why I'm teaching them. And it's the same with anything I do, whether it's m- making small talk or learning woodwork or going to that salsa class last night, which was really fucking hard. It's like I just want to get slightly less shit. That's always my philosophy for taking anything on. And I, I always say that to my friends and it always provokes a laugh. It's like, if I can get slightly less shit at this activity today, then that's going to be an achievement. And that's such a greater mindset than kind of like the mindset that I had growing up or maybe that was even inculcated in me in school. Like, there's no point in doing anything unless you're going to do it professionally. And more to the point, like, if you make a mistake, like that's bad. In fact, we're going to put red crosses all over your work beside every time you make a mistake. So this is the, I'm just sharing this wisdom because it was hard one. And one piece of information that might actually prove helpful is whenever you're trying to do something that's out of your comfort zone, just say, I don't have to be perfect at this. If I can get slightly less shit today, that would be pretty good because getting slightly less shit every every day or every few days at something over a period of time makes for pretty good results. I think the one thing I look at is it would be impossible for me to really try to give people advice unless I actually knew them. It it knew what they were going through and, you know, and there would have to be something really personal there. You know, people contact me all the time. It's like, I'm starting a podcast. What do you think? And everything. And I'm just like, yeah, um, I'm starting. This is the subject, you know, and my, my first question to them is how many episodes do you think you have on that subject? Do you have 388? Like I do. Mm. And that usually makes them start thinking 
um, mm. th- things like that. Um, but if somebody contacted me about, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going through this and everything like that. I think it's really a book isn't going to help with that because everybody's a different individual. I mean, we have to, you know, we have to think like, you know, an Austrian economist now, you know, we're not thinking about, you know, the whole mass of people. We're thinking about the individual and really you're going to have to know everything that that person's going through. And, you know, no two human beings is alike. So that's the problem I have with the, with most of those books is they're selling a one size fits all. That's to, right. To individuals, you know, and I would assume that's probably, you know, a big part of the problem that libertarians might have with uh, the self-help industry or books like that. Yeah, you're bringing out really important strands here. And it's it's pretty ignorant to even offer someone advice uh, without knowing their problem inside out. I guess when someone goes a in a book you're not offering them advice but I say that to lead into like one of the things that you might expect if you go to a therapist if you've not been one to before which is really really important is that the point of someone asking you questions and prompting you to speak so that you feel understood is really not just a skill for therapists, but it's it's really a prerequisite of be, like you might have experienced someone uh, sometime trying to give someone advice, being like that that person, oh, they never they never take advice, they just go off and and do what they want anyway. It's so annoying when they complain about their problems. Or similarly, uh, you might have uh, experienced someone giving you advice when you weren't actually ready, and you you feel this like deep frustration because you what you're actually seeking after is understanding and i think that um that's one of the that's um, what parents do and and that's a lot of the problem that i think people have yeah that's with why their, people don't get on with, with, it. Yeah. with their parents is because yeah yeah that's exactly what they do yeah they just give you advice without actually trying to understand you first the lovely thing about therapy if you get a good therapist is they will make you feel like talking. They will sh- demonstrate their understanding of what you've just said in a way that makes you go, oh, yeah, that is it. That is it. That's so true. And when you feel like someone really understands you that way, you want to talk more. Uh, you realize things that were on the edge of your awareness that you kind of had a sense of and sometimes you might go oh yeah oh oh yeah that's what it's like it's like it was on the tip of your tongue that's what i was trying to understand about myself it's just there on the edge of your awareness if they're a good therapist they'll bring it into the center of your awareness oh right now that i understand that but i can go deeper and it's it's not therapy is really not about giving advice although you know occasionally there is a there there is a place for that like as a practitioner if i know something that's going to help someone i don't keep it to myself i will share it but um it's always shared tentatively as a suggestion that someone can go oh yeah yeah that sounds like a good idea or oh no i wouldn't do that because blah 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 okay fine there's never any there there should never be any pressure in that situation um just for anyone who wants the who's not been but wanted the process demystified a little bit um those are a couple of a couple of things about it if something was to be offered 
I would say from the therapist's experience, it should be done at a point where you as a client have come to the point where, wow, yeah, I feel like really understood and uh, you're not gushing to speak. Like a lot of the time I see it as if a thought comes up when my client's speaking, I just put a pen in it and put it over to the side and, um, and I figure, see if that is still relevant at some juncture of the conversation where it might be appropriate, then I'll take the pen out of it and share it. A lot of the time, it's not even necessary. It was just a fleeting thought that seemed like it might be useful at the time. <laughs> if we all had that ability, which I'm really thankful that I learned from my work, I think a lot of us would get on a lot better. Just put a pen in it and see if it's still relevant when the other person finishes speaking. Just listening to people. I think that's what, um, what have I heard people say? People listen to people so that they can know what to say next instead of listening to mm. people to understand what they're saying. Right. You have listened to me exceedingly well tonight, and it has been uh, very therapeutic, I should add. But uh, yeah, just to add something to that, listening is one thing. If you would like to develop a really useful skill um a great skill is very simply to learn to paraphrase or to summarize what other people say um after they said it like and especially if someone's upset or distressed if you can um angry any in any way if you can basically demonstrate that you've understood what they've said just watch what happens. People come to life. They want to speak to you more. They go, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even need to be a negative emotion either. I remember someone, uh, I, I used to teach piano before I was a therapist. And once a, a kid came over and they were he was talking to me about having gone to ice skating at the weekend. And all I, all I said was, wow, you really love ice skating. And he went, yeah, you know, he came to life and he wanted to talk about it more. That's even, that's even shorter than paraphrasing. That was just like taking the gist of what he just communicated to me and reflecting it back to him. This is a superhero power, by the way. Um, well, it's, the, it's what's basically the message of how to win friends and influence people. Right. Which is uh, seek seek to understand, then be understood. That's a nice maxim, but it actually gives you a method for doing it. So there, there's first listening, listen with the intent to understand what the other person is saying, and then demonstrate your understanding. That's the that's kind of like the next step. And and you know you can be pretty clumsy about it. People will. <clears throat> it is something that you can get quite skillful at, but people will cut you a lot of slack if you're if you're clumsy with it in most cases, because at least you're showing that you're trying to understand what they're saying. Don't mind if they correct you. That's still helpful. Like sometimes I will make a reflection like that. Someone will be talking and I'll summarize it and they'll go, no, no, it's not exactly that. It's more like this. And I'm like, all right, okay, cool. You, you try again. That's good because even if you get it wrong, you help them get it right. If I say, wow, you sound really angry about that. And it's like, it's not that I'm angry, actually. I just feel really disappointed. Well, me kind of saying I, I, you, you sounded angry helped you figure out exactly what you did feel about it. Something that I came to realize a bunch of years ago and really not that long ago was that communication and miscommunication or lack of communication – is responsible for so many of the ills of the world. 
it's just, <laughs> you know, right. and you know, a big part of that is just listening and understanding exactly what someone's trying to communicate. So, um, well, let's wrap it there. And why don't you plug anything you want to plug? Okay, well, sure. I think because I already made a plug, uh, I'll just we'll just circle back to that. If you want a PDF of procrastination annihilation, email me Anthony at beyourselfandloveit dot com. You can also get me on Facebook, and I do ha- have a podcast, Be Yourself and Love It podcast, which you might be interested in. It, it's yeah, it's a self-help podcast, funnily enough. But I do try and put the emphasis on practical application and providing tools that you could actually use. There's um, maybe a 16 or 18 part series of like 10, 15 minute podcasts to help um, on how to make small talk. There's a bunch of stuff on procrastination. Uh, there, there's lots of stuff on improving communication skills to overcome conflicts. It's very interesting watching you mentioned a lot of problems come down to poor communication i cannot agree more it's really interesting watching movies and media and plays i i I like going out to the theater um through the when you understand some of these communication skills like the paraphrasing thing and demonstrating understanding and see how much of the conflict just in media is about characters not actually taking the time to understand and see where each other were coming from, and if they did, they would be um, they'd be able to get on. But then we wouldn't have a a cool movie to watch. So it's it's interesting the the drama of play. So Anthony at Be Yourself and Love It. Fuck man, Anthony at Be Yourself and Love It dot com. Thank you so much for having me again, Pete. I always love doing your show. Uh, we always have a great chat. Yeah, and we had a pretty good time in New York too, didn't we? Oh yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, we had a really great time hanging out. Did we? <clears throat> so was did the last pod was the last podcast we did before or after that? It was it was before that. We were going to do one. After, oh, all right. We were going to do one after that, but um, Tom wanted to have you on, and you know, I, oh, right. I defer. I defer. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, because I thought the last one we did was after, but yeah, just for anyone who didn't know, there's a great p- picture of. Pete and I sipping whiskey and uh, I was very touched that um, you came to New York to see the debate and I'm glad that we got to hang out quite a few times it was a very very special um, opportunity to meet you and hang out in Gene Epstein's <laughs> apartment His- sipping whiskey Hisako's apartment <laughs> Hisako's apartment, right? Yeah, Jean's wife, Hisako. It was it was properly surreal. I felt like um, I was in the you know after Ayn Rand wrote Atlas Shrugged, she had her little collective of people that used to meet weekly in an apartment in New York at the weekends, which she called the collective. I felt like I was part of something like that. It was it was properly surreal. Oh, we had really a good, great. Yeah, there, there was. We had great conversations about everything from, and a lot of them just didn't go into libertarianism at all, or movies and all that, and just <laughs> argue, arguing with your friend about how the how the Godfather was yeah. actually a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that 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 stuck out for me as well. You know, we were talking about the Godfather and 
Uh, our our mutual love for eighties goth music, I think, was one of the things we you know <laughs> we both got out to see Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus and all these bands that very few people know anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, who who what are these bands? I, I've never heard of these people. <laughs> As I was a goth in my late teens and early twenties. All right, man, I'm gonna get out of here. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.